You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to, to profit, causes us to win in life. Guess what? We win. We profit. We progress in life. Please tag a friend. Let them know that we're alive. You can also get the audio of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so excited about having you with us today. I believe it's going to be very exciting Listen, I got my iPad here in case you have any questions. You can give comments or questions at the end of the podcast. I'll try to answer some of your questions or I'll make note of some of your comments. But listen, it's going to be a blessing. If it blesses you, I want you to share it with someone else so that the word can grow and increase. I'm teaching. This is my second lesson. I'm teaching from the subject. No pressure. You can handle it. No pressure. You can handle it. Now, in our church here at Faith Chapel, Faith Chapel, Birmingham, and Faith Chapel, Columbus, our theme for this year is on prosperity, financial prosperity. But I'm really talking about an area that may seem unrelated, but it is related because 3 John chapter, 3 John verse 2, 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper financially and material and be in health, that's physical, even as your soul prosper. So we're talking about that soul area. We're talking about your mind. We're talking about uh, dealing with pressure. In fact, our theme is overcoming the pressures of life. Are you experiencing any pressures in your life? Well, I believe that we're going to be able to give you information that's going to help you. It won't take away all the pressure because it's just a part of life. But you can keep the pressure from getting on the inside of you. I have three goals. These three goals will serve as the outline of this six-lesson series. We're going to talk about controlling stress. We're going to talk about accepting the peace, the peace that Jesus left. We're going to talk about choosing rest, controlling stress, accepting peace, and choosing rest. Now, last lesson, lesson one, we talked about the pressure-free life, the pressure-free life. So this is part two, and we're dealing with that stress part of it. So last week, we talked about what is stress. Lesson one, what is stress? We talked about the effects of stress. We talked about the five major causes of stress, and we talked about the pressure-free Life. Now, I can't go back and cover everything that I said last week because we're going to get into some very interesting things in this second lesson. But I do want to give definition to what this pressure free life looks like. The pressure free life is evidenced by the ability to concentrate and focus on your essential goals and perform at a high level while involved in highly stressful situations and facing numerous internal and external distractions. I'm going to say that again. That is a powerful definition, and that should be our vision. That should be our goal, to live a pressure-free life. In other words, the pressure will come, but it won't get on the inside of us. The pressure-free life is evidenced by the ability to concentrate and focus on our essential goals. And while we're concentrating and focusing, we're going to perform at a high level while involved in highly stressful situations and facing numerous internal 
and external distractions. Now, listen, that's a short review of what we were talking about in lesson one or part one. So here in part two, we're going to talk about four anti-stress agents, four anti-stress agents. We're going to talk high level. We're going to talk 40,000 feet. We're going to go up and then we're going to look down and we're going to see stress is not a big deal. Okay. It's not going to be a big deal for us. There are four anti-stress agents. We're going to talk about purpose. We're going to talk about priorities. We're going to talk about practices. And then finally, we're going to talk about perspective, purpose, priorities, practices, and perspective. Now, we looked at stress in our first lesson, part one. In this second lesson, we're going to deal with some remedies. We're going to deal with some solutions. We're going we're gonna to really self-evaluate. And as I talk with you today, I want you to be evaluating. I want you to self-evaluate. Let me ask you a question. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being you're highly stressed, I mean, you're, you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, and one, you're really cool. You got it going on. On a scale of one to 10, how would you grade yourself in terms of where you are in terms of your stress level? On a scale of one to 10, where do you fall in terms of your stress level? Are you dealing with a lot of stress right now? Or are you feeling a lot of stress? Then your score is going to be higher. And if you're feeling with less stress, then your score is going to be lower. So we're going to be talking about purpose, talking about priorities, talking about practices, and then we're going to talk about perspective. I want to uh, quote a text or given a story, short story, found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 in the New Living Translation. This is the background text of our study today. It says, Jesus and the disciples came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner, a big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem fair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So are you a Mary or are you a Martha? So let's talk about these four high-level areas, four anti-stress agents. Let's talk about purpose. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, it's a, it's a, a powerful verse. It says, verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Have you ever talked to God about your purpose? Do you acknowledge him or you just go about your day and your activity and your school and your work, just making decisions and deciding to do this and deciding to do that? Or are you concerned about purpose? Do you talk to him about your purpose? So what is purpose? What is purpose? Purpose is the original intent 
in God's mind that motivated him to create you. The original intent in God's mind that motivated God to create you. Purpose, secondly, is what God wants you to become and what God wants you to do. What God wants you to become and what God wants you to do. And then thirdly, purpose is being where God wants you to be and connected to those he wants you to influence, to be where God wants you to be and connected to those he wants you to influence. Now notice what he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. In other words, I know the plans that I have for you. God is saying, I have a purpose for your life. Now, when you look at these three definitions, three definitions, these three definitions speak to three things. Number one, the definitions that I gave you of purpose speaks to identity, being who God wants you to be. These definitions, secondly, speaks to efforts. Engage mentally and physically and what God wants you to perform, the work that God wants you to be performed. And thirdly, these three definitions speak to position, being where God wants you to be. In other words, being who he wants you to be or become, engage mentally and physically in work that God wants you to perform, and then thirdly, being where God wants you to be. Now, if the text is true, and it is true, God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. In other words, I have a plan for you, God says. I have a purpose for your life. There's a reason why you should, you're here on the planet. If that's the case, when you look at the three definitions that I gave you, the common denominator in all three definitions was God. So we can conclude that purpose is discovered in God's presence. Purpose, you say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where, where God wants me to be. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what God wants me to become. Well, purpose is discovered in God's presence. I'll say that again. Purpose is discovered in God's presence. Now, notice the word discover. See, you're not creating purpose, you're discovering it. A lot of people, they go to God and they, they, they've already made their mind up. They hadn't even talked to God. They hadn't talked to God about where they should be. They hadn't talked to God about the people that they should be connected to. They hadn't talked to God about the work that they should perform. They hadn't talked to him about anything about their lives. But purpose is discovered. In other words, God has already designed your purpose and eternity past. So purpose is discovered in God's presence. In other words, in meditating in his word, in prayer, and just asking God and seeking God about what he will have you to do. Now, well, what does purpose have to do with stress. And let's look at the story of Martha and the stressed out situation she's engaged in uh, in uh, this visit from Jesus and his disciples. In the instance that I read in Luke chapter 10, Martha, listen carefully, Martha is focused on a dinner, in fact, a big dinner, but her focus on preparing the dinner is not what Jesus is concerned about. She's focused on a good thing, 
I'm going to prepare this great dinner for Jesus. I'm going to prepare this great dinner for the disciples. But her focus on preparing this big dinner was not what Jesus was concerned about. Now, listen at this. Her concerns and efforts were out of alignment with God's plan, Jesus' plan. She got, Jesus had a plan for being there, and she had this plan, and she's focused on this big dinner, but her focus and her efforts are out of alignment. She's out of position. She's engaged in activities that Jesus is not concerned about. I guess you never thought about this, but every time you go to someone's house, even a friend house, you don't expect them to prepare dinner for you. You know, I don't expect every time I go over a a friend's house that they're going to prepare this big dinner. Jesus didn't come for dinner. That wasn't why he came. That wasn't what he wanted to do. He came to give instructions. He came to teach. He came to mentor them. They were close. They were friends. And he wanted to spend a season of time. Now, this is a very important point. Much stress and frustration is due to believers operating outside of God's purpose. So you've got to ask yourself and and evaluate. You're doing all these things. You're engaged in all these activities. And and you're feeling all this stress because you have all these things that you have to do. And maybe much of what you're doing is not even what God is concerned about. And it can be it can be something good because preparing a dinner was a good thing, but it wasn't what God was concerned about. So are you engaged in stuff? And I have in the past been engaged in stuff and, and, and involved and giving effort, even investing money in things that God is not concerned about. Now, here's a revelation for you. Good works, not all good works, are necessarily a part of a person's purpose. You say, well, this is a good thing that I'm doing. Not all good works are necessarily a part of God's purpose for the person. So you can't equate good works with purpose. Because it can be a good work outside of what God wants you to do. Now, I'll quote a text that you're very familiar with. Jesus said, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. So why is Jesus' burden Light and his yoke is easy. Well, the answer is along with the purpose that God plans for your life, he will impart the necessary talents, the necessary abilities, the necessary gifts to fulfill that purpose, as well as prearrange the key relationships and the key resources you'll need. Now, I'll say that again. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. In other words, doing what God wants you to do. And so many people are engaged in so much activity that's totally outside of his purpose. In fact, God said this to me uh, some months ago. He said, stay in your lane. That's what God said to me. He says, stay in your lane. And see, there are a lot of things I can do in ministry, a lot of activities, a lot of good things I can do in ministry. But he said, I want you to stay in your lane. That tells me that there are some ministry opportunities that may be good, but it's outside of God's purpose for my life. Now, why is Jesus' yoke easy and his burden alike? Because along with the purpose that God gives you, 
He will impart the necessary gifts, abilities, and talents to fulfill the purpose as well as prearrange the divine connections and the resources that you're going to need. So you can see God never intended for life to be so hard for us. There are many ministers and pastors and apostles and prophets that feel a whole lot of stress because they are operating outside of their sphere of jurisdiction. They operate outside of their purpose. And maybe you're not in ministry, but God has a purpose for your life. And you can go all your life doing things that's stressing you out because if you're doing something outside of the purpose, then you're not going to have the gifts, the talents, and the, and you're not going to have the divine connections, and you're not going to have the resources prearranged for you, so it's going to be tough, like Martha. She's trying to prepare a dinner that Jesus didn't even want at that particular time. High level. We're talking about four anti-stress agents. The second area is priorities. Let's talk about priorities, having the proper priorities. And I want you to be evaluating because somewhere it may just be one thing. It may be just one word that can change your life. But I want you to be evaluating your stress level is probably going to be connected somewhere in one of these areas. You say, well, I didn't get anything out of purpose. Okay, well, let's talk about priorities. Priorities are a way of arranging Time and activities in order of importance so that they coincide with your values. Priorities are a way, or prioritizing your life is a way of arranging time and activities in order of importance so that they coincide with your values. Another definition of of priorities is activities, practices, or relationships that we want to put genuine effort and quality time into. What activities, what practices, what relationships do you want to put quality time and quality effort in two. For example, a priority could be a growing relationship with God. That can be a priority, a growing relationship with God. Or a priority could be a mutually fulfilling marriage, a successful marriage. Or a priority could be a strong connection with your children. A strong connection can be a priority with your children. Or a healthy body can be a priority. I want a healthy body. I am confessing 110 years with no sickness and no disease and just fall asleep in Jesus with no sickness or disease. Well, it's a priority. A healthy body is a priority. Maybe a commitment to your local church could be a priority. A successful career, successful business could be a priority. Excellent grades, graduation, uh, friendships can be a priority. So priorities. Sometimes stress is connected to uh, the area of priorities. So listen at this. Some people are stressed out and overwhelmed because they're taking on too many responsibilities. They're taking on too many responsibilities. Think about it. Moth is trying to prepare this big dinner. Well, maybe just a snack would have been great. Maybe some hors d'oeuvres would have been great. Just some finger food would have been great. Sometimes we're just taking on too much. Are you taking on too much? So let me ask a question, and then I'm going to give you some things to think about as it relates to your priorities. What are the most important priorities in your life? Think about it. One through five. One through five. 
and listen in order. What is your most important priorities? What are your most important priorities? One, two, three, four, five. What are your most important priorities? Think for a minute and, and maybe later you can get along and think about, okay, what are my most important priorities? Now, listen at this. Decide, this is going to help you, decide what you're going to and not going to put effort into. Decide what you're going to and what you're not going to put effort into. Okay, what are you going to put effort into? When I think about my priorities, I think about my relationship with God. I think about my relationship with my wife. I think about my relationship with my children. I think about my the call of God on my life. And so when I think about my call, I know there's some effort and time going to have to be put in that. But I know I can't put all effort and time in the call because I'm married. And I realize also that I have children, even though adult children, I still want to have a relationship with them. So what are your five priorities, most important priorities? Because if you got a, a list that's 10 long, there's a good chance you're stressed out because you're trying to do too much. Now, here's some questions that I want to ask before we go to the next area. Here's some questions. I want you to think now. Think with me. Listen, are you playing or trying to play God? Think about that for a moment. I'll, let, I'll pause and let you think. Are you playing or trying to play God? I could say that differently. Do you have an exaggerated sense of importance? Are you, think about your relationship, think about the activities, think about the things that you're doing. Think about all the things you're doing. We're talking about priorities, we're talking about activities, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about things you're doing. Are you trying to play God? Do you have an exaggerated sense of importance. In other words, are you too important? You just too important. That's why you're involved in all this, because life cannot go on without you. You have to do it because if you don't do everything, then it's going to all fall apart. Now, I want you to evaluate yourself. This, this is self-evaluation. Here's another question. We're talking about priorities. Are you carrying burdens that others should be carrying? Are you carrying burdens that others should be carrying? Think about it for a moment. Let's pause and reflect. Are you carrying burdens that others should be carrying? Are you handling things that really someone else should be handling? But if I don't handle it, it, it just won't get done. No, 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 no. We're talking about stress. You say you got this high level of stress, and we're trying to see why you got this, because Jesus says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He didn't say it was stressful. He didn't say life going to be stressful. The Bible says that we're going to have some tribulation, but it didn't say we're going to walk around with stress. Nowhere in the scripture. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So are you carrying burdens that other folks should be carrying? Are you handling, taking over responsibilities, managing responsibilities that others should be handling? It could be within, un, within your sphere of work. Maybe you're not a delegator. Maybe you got people who could help you, but you're trying to do everything. And you feel all this weight and all this responsibility. Um, 
I got a couple of statements that I think will help you. Well, I want to go back to this carrying burdens. If it's something that someone else should be doing, then it's a false burden. And I think a lot of Christians are carrying false burdens, a false burden, a false burden. Is the burden a false burden? Bible says uh, to bear one another burdens, but it also says let every man carry his own burden. So there are some things that we should help people with, but then there are some things that people have to help themselves with. So are you carrying a false burden? Hey, am I talking to you? Hey, am I talking to you? Now, here's a couple of statements. God doesn't expect you to meet every need presented to you. God doesn't expect you to meet every need presented to you. Yeah, but it's a legitimate need. It's a it's, it's legitimate, Pastor. It's a legitimate need. Yeah, yeah. The Bible in Philippians 4, 19 says, but my God shall supply. It didn't say you were going to supply everybody's need. It says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and go his inexhaustible supply. You don't have an inexhaustible supply. You have a limited time, limited energy, limited resources. So you have to prioritize God does not expect, now this is speaking to somebody, God does not expect you to meet every need presented to you. Presented to you. It's presented, but God doesn't expect, which means you have to learn to say no without feeling guilty. You have to learn to say no without feeling guilty. You know, there are times, you know, I, I would say maybe hundreds of people have my phone number because I all the members, a lot of members got my number. They text me and stuff like that. And, and so I, I kind of like that. Text is easy to respond to, you know, and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that at all. But there are times... When I don't answer the phone, there are times when I don't answer texts. You know, if I'm spending time with my wife and family, then I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not carrying my phone around with me all the time. When I'm on vacation, I don't carry my phone with me like that. Some of you, you carry your phone with you everywhere. You looking at your phone all the time. When you go out to dinner, you got the phone right there. You looking at the phone. Some of you, when you're eating dinner, you got your phone right there, sitting right there. If you're on call 24-7, you have an exaggerated sense of importance, an exaggerated sense of importance. Now, here's the last statement, and then we'll go to the third uh, area. Every one, and I want you to write this one down. Everyone's crisis cannot become yours. Everyone's crisis cannot become yours. I see someone uh, gave me a comment. Someone gave me uh, a question so you can send your questions or your comments. Now I got my iPad. I'm looking at it now. But I want you to write this. This is so important. I want you to make a note this. This is tweetable here. This, this, is, this is a blessing. Everyone's crisis it's a genuine crisis. It's a real crisis. It's a real problem. It's a serious problem. Now, listen to me. We're talking about anti-stress agents. We got we to gotta get our priorities in order. We got to get some proper priorities. And they, they, it can be a long list, which means if you have a family, you're married, you have children, you can't spend a whole lot of time with friends. You cannot. You can have quality relationships. Your, your, your friendships, listen to me now, your friendship, if you're married, if you are married and you have children, especially young children or children, period, 
and you want a quality life at home, you want a quality relationship, and then you want time with God, then you have to have friendships that are not high maintenance. And 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 um, I think it friendships are important. It's great to have friendships. We should all have friendships. I have friendships, but my friendships cannot and they are not high maintenance. In other words, the person got to be with you all the time. We got to spend all this time. And if we don't spend this time, they're getting upset. And, you know, they jealous of you spending time with somebody else. That's a high maintenance relationship. If you're going to have proper priorities, you can't have. Now, if you're single and that's your and, and you're dealing with other single people. OK, if you're single and your friends are single, then you can spend more time. You can spend more time. But if you're single and you got a friendship with someone's married or you're single, uh, you, you, you they can't spend all that time with you. They can't spend all that time with you. In fact, you can't spend too much time with anybody and have strong priorities and have a strong relationship with God. So you now listen, I want uh, before I go to number three, this is so powerful. I think this is setting somebody free. I feel in my spirit that someone is getting set free right now, but you're going to have to make some decisions. Everyone's crisis cannot become yours. I want you to say that. Everyone's crisis cannot become yours. Say it after me. Everyone's crisis cannot become yours. Let's say it one more time. Everyone crisis cannot become yours. Now, let's make it personal. Everyone's crisis cannot become mine. Got that? That's going to be so important. We're talking high level. We're talking about how do we deal with this stress? How do we keep it outside of us for anti-stress agents? We've talked about purpose, focusing on purpose. We talked about priorities, having the right priorities and, and managing those priorities, protecting those priorities. Now, thirdly, let's talk about practices. This is very practical. Let's talk about practices. Consistent practices, P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E-S, practices, consistent practices. What, what do I mean by practices? Things or activities that are done often or regularly to make, in other words, to make a habit of things that you do often, things that you do regularly. And, and there are five great practices, five, not seven this time, five. I see a comment. I see two questions. Thank you for, I'm going to get to them in a moment. Five practices that I think will help you with the stress. Number one, Three of these are practical and two are spiritual. Number one, exercise. Exercise. Now don't tell me, don't tell me you get a lot of exercise. I just get it on my job. No, no, don't even tell me that. I'm talking about intentional time of exercise, some intentional exercise. It, it will help you with the stress. Intentional Exercise, intentional exercise. It doesn't have to be hours of exercise. It can be 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, it could be at your level. If you're young, middle-aged, a senior-aged person at your uh, level, but consistent exercise. You know, interesting thing about it, we talk about following Jesus. Jesus walked a lot. They didn't have they didn't have scooters and and all those kinds of things. He walked a lot. In fact, he walked most of the time. So he was getting consistent exercise. Number two, laughter. 
laughter. Proverbs 17, 22, New Living Translation says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Laughter. You know, I love fun. I like laughter. I like having fun. I like joking. As a pastor, I realized, I, I learned early that you can't joke with everybody because, you know, there are some serious people and they, you joking and they take it serious, but laughter is wonderful. If comedies, movies, something, you know, around my house, we have, we laugh a lot at, at home. We laugh a whole lot. Uh, my daughter said, uh, you know, listen, my wife, Pete, that's her nickname, Pete, she is funny to me. She is just funny because she's always mimicking something she saw on TV. We could watch a movie, and at the end of the movie, and they playing that music, she get up and dancing, and she's singing. She's always doing something, and it's just fun. It's funny. She is a funny person. My daughter says, I'm funny. So we laugh a lot. They laugh a lot at me, and I think they're funny too. So it's something about laughter. You, it, some of you, you may just be too serious. It's just, I mean, everything, everything can't be. You know, they're going to hell. You know, everybody going to hell. You know, the world is terrible. Okay. I don't know. I just don't see Jesus being like that. I think Jesus had a sense of humor. And I just don't think he was serious all the time. Everything is about demons and, you know, and, you know, everything is just the work. I mean, we got to get this done. You know, Jesus come back. You know, no, I think laughter is it. Some people are too uptight. And it has a lot to do with their personality. They need to loosen up. They need to tell a joke. Even if you're not good at it, tell a joke or something. Even if people just laugh at you because you're not funny and telling your jokes, that's good. But laughter is good. Number three, uh, the third practical one is obeying the Sabbath principle. Obeying the Sabbath principle. Now, listen at this. In Scripture, there's a work-rest cycle. God worked for six days. He rested on the seventh day. Work-rest cycle. Um, Sleep, I'm trying to get better at that. You know, I I need to, somebody need to lay hands on me because I be up all the time of night. So I got to, I'm working on it. I told someone recently, uh, I said, you know, my goal is to try to get in the bed at 12. And they said, well, if you're trying to get in the bed at 12, you really got to do some work. Okay, so I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But sleep, um, um, hobbies that relax you, reading is very relaxing to me, Uh, vacations. Uh, Ray Johnson, Ray Johnson in his book, Hope Quotient, it's a good book. Ray Johnson in his book, Hope Quotient, he, he, he put it this way, and I think he was talking about a Sabbath principle. He said, there are three things you need to do. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. I said that again. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. In other words, he says at some point every day you need to divert. It doesn't have to be a a lot of time, but you need a relax, a rest period at some point during the day. Not putting a time limit. It can be 15 minutes where you just get away and just met, just get away and just relax for a minute. Can't go 24-7. Withdraw weekly. It said at least once a week, have a period of time. You know, in the Old Testament, it was Saturday, the Sabbath. There was a period where you break it from the from the work. Some people work seven days a week. That's not healthy. And then abandon annually. Everyone needs to take a vacation and vacate means vacate. That means you don't have your cell phone on the beach looking at your cell phone, answering your messages, answering your texts. No, that 
In other words, now vacate means to leave. The root word is vac- vacation. Vacate means to leave. Okay. Now, the fourth habit is a spiritual daily meditation in God's word, in prayer, and confession. Daily meditation in God's word, prayer, and confession. Well, daily meditation in the word and in prayer keeps you focused on God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If you're spending time, it doesn't have to be hours. It could be 10 minutes you're spending time with God. It could be 10 minutes in the word. It could be five minutes confessing the word or sometime during the day. It's not the length of it. It's consistency. Meditation helps you to have the spiritual resources you need to overcome the stress. They're practical things, but you need spiritual resources. And then number five, daily acknowledgement and dependency on the Holy Spirit. Daily acknowledgement and dependency on the Holy Spirit. If nothing more than when you get up, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Hello, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with me. I love you, Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you today to help me. When I see people overwhelmed and and people talk about they so overwhelmed and all that and, and they can't go in further, if because, and this is Christians, they're not depending on the one on the inside. They're depending on their mental and physical power. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to help you. That's why he was sent, because God never intended for you to do life alone. So you have to talk to him. You have to ask him questions. You have to ask him for wisdom. You have to uh, claim strength from him, and he'll help you to overcome and deal and all that. Now, the fourth area, now we've talked about purpose, we've talked about priorities, we talked about practices. You got anything out of that? I see I got some questions. I want to take a five minutes and then I want to look at this perspective and then I'm going to look at your questions just by five minutes in perspective, having the right perspective. Perspective will help you with stress. It is the way you see things, your point of view, your attitude toward things, your perspective, the way you're looking at it. Sometimes we're looking at things the wrong way or in an imbalanced way, and it's creating stress. For example, I'll give you some quick examples. Perspective would be to view a situation as an opportunity rather than a threat. View an opport- view a situation as an opportunity rather than a threat. It's a perspective. Okay, for example, you can talk about the pandemic. Oh, the pandemic. I hate the pandemic. Oh, I'm so tired of this. Oh, I'm just tired of this. Oh, I'll be glad when this is over. When will it be over? See, you're stressing yourself out about something that you can't technically control. You can't control everybody getting vaccinated. You can't control everybody wearing masks. You can't control the situation. Why not, rather than seeing it as a threat, why not attempt to see this situation as an opportunity? And that's what I did. I said, I, listen, I want, it over, I want it to be over just like you do, okay? But ain't, there's, there, it's counterproductive for me to just keep talking about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm so tired of this. And you know, when it's going to end, that's counterproductive. There, there, there's no productivity in that. So what I decided, okay, this is an opportunity for me to grow my prayer life. This is an opportunity for me to develop my prayer life, okay? So it's an opportunity, or it can be a threat. How do you see it? That's perspective. You can see the situation as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to develop in the fruit of the spirit. Okay. These folk at work, listen, don't know where you can get from them folk. You got to quit your job, resign from your job or whatever you, but if you own that job, then you have to change your perspective. It can It can be a threat. They're always on on me. They're trying to find me. You can go through all that all day long. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. Or you can see it as an opportunity for you to develop in the fruit of the Spirit. Develop in your patience. Develop in your long-suffering. Develop in your forbearance. It can be an opportunity. Another example of 
perspective is to recognize that certain things are out of your control. I, t- I use the example of the pandemic. I mean, you can pray about it, but you can't change the environment in, in the country. You can't make everybody do right. Okay, so perspective. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time musing over, talking about, worrying about, and stressing about things that are outside of my control. So that's perspective. Do I have some control in this? Can I do something about this? Okay, if it's outside of my control, then I'm, a, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm not going to spend a lot of mind time, not a lot of energy, a, a lot of conversation about that. Perspective number three, to understand that there are some things that are within our power, but they're not our responsibility. There are some things that are within your power, but it's not your responsibility. You got the money. You got this, you got that, but it's not your responsibility. That's perspective. To recognize when things should end so something new can start. Recognize that something should end. That's perspective. Something new should begin. Now watch this. Perspective is usually the result of experience and growth and wisdom. Perspective is usually the result of experience, growth, and wisdom. And over the years, as I've grown, there are things about marriage that don't bother me like they used to bother me. Perspective. There are things about ministry. I used to worry all the time about the ministry, worry all the time about the people, worrying about stuff I can't control. But as I've grown and gained some experience, my perspective is different. So perspective. I pray that, that you know, something has been said, purpose, Priorities, we talk from a high level, practices, and perspective. I want to look at the questions. Before I look at the questions, next week we're going to begin to talk about peace, accepting peace. We're going to move from stress to peace. Questions, I got four here. Question, is putting a stronger relationship with God as a priority and your purpose one in the same, or are they different in your list of priorities? That's a good question, okay? The person says, is putting a stronger relationship with God as a priority and your purpose are one and the same, or are they different in your list of priorities? Now, I think a stronger relationship with God has to do with your priorities, A stronger relationship with God has to do with your priorities. Not necessarily the same, okay? The stronger relationship is going to be developed by you spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, obeying what the Scriptures is saying, but that may not be totally within the framework of why God created you, your unique purpose for being here on the earth. But I think that's a a great question. But if you develop a stronger relationship with God, you will discover purpose. That's where you're going to discover your purpose through a stronger relationship with God. But they're not exactly the same. Great question. Comment. I needed to hear that. I should not try to meet every need presented to me. I have learned to say no without feeling guilty. That is great. Well, what I said then, if you've learned to say no without feeling guilty, then what I said reinforced that. It just confirmed that. You stay, you're you on the right track because every need, and, and, and if Christians get that, They'll have less worry. They'll have more money. Um, they'll have more time to do things that they need to be doing. If they understand that every need presented is not something that God intends for you to meet. That's great question. Do you think that everyone's crisis is yours when it comes to prayer? Well, um, let me, let me put it like this. That's a really good question. Do you think that everyone crisis is yours 
The answer is no. Now they're asking when it comes to prayer, though, if everyone crisis is yours, I am going to say no. Now, I know that may be strange to say, but sometimes you can be praying about something that God ain't as concerned about because the person person ain't concerned about it. See, think about it. God is not worried about anybody. He's not worried. I mean, he's not tripping out about everything. In fact, I don't think he's up there saying, oh, we got to get all these people. You know, we got to get all these people. Uh, We got to get all these people. No, I think he created the plan of salvation for everybody. But there are some responsibilities outside of your control. So I don't think you're supposed to be praying about everything because if you're praying about every crisis, then the things you should be praying about, you're not going to have the time to pray about it. So that's a good question. I hope the answer bless you. How do you manage personal stress without seeming disconnected or unconcerned for situations close to you? I think that's a great question. These are wonderful questions. How do you manage personal stress without seeming disconnected? Okay, let me answer that first part. You don't have to be disconnected to handle stress. You can be connected to family members. You can be connected to friends. You can be connected in work. Just because you're connected doesn't mean you got you got the stress going inside of you. You know, you're not a monk. You're not in isolation. God doesn't expect us to be in isolation. What I'm talking about is the stress is there, but it's not getting in you. So how do you manage personal stress without seeming disconnected? You should still connect to family, still connected to uh, children, still connected, but you don't have to let all their crises get on the inside of you or unconcerned for situations close to you. Now, I don't know if you can avoid seeming unconcerned because for some people concern is you worrying about it and what I'm teaching uh, about managing stress accepting peace choosing rest you're going to seem like you are unconcerned i give you an illustration classic illustration In the 11th chapter of John, Jesus' friend Lazarus died. He died. I don't know what Jesus was doing, but Martha Mary sent a message before he died and said, come now, your brother, the person you sent, your friend is sick. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. They were all friends with Jesus. So they sent a message to Jesus and said, now, listen, Jesus, the one you love is sick. He, he real sick. And, and the Bible says that Jesus stayed right where he was. He didn't rush out and try to change that situation. Now, we know he raised him from the dead. But the issue was he didn't allow everybody crisis to dictate and move him like that. A lot of times people have situations and, 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 and they get all rattled. And see, for some people, if you got peace at the funeral, they think you don't you didn't love the person. If you're not falling out during the crisis and 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 shouting and and, and all that. They think you're not concerned so that when you walk in kingdom peace and kingdom rest, you're going to seem like you're unconcerned, unloving to natural minded people. So I don't think you can avoid that. Um, Does a crisis remain a crisis 
if you're praying about it. I don't know. It still could be a crisis for the people. It can still be a crisis. Prayer doesn't change every crisis. Prayer should change you about the crisis, but it doesn't necessarily change every crisis. Well, um, those were outstanding questions. I pray that you got some out of the lesson today. Share it with somebody. I think it's going to be a blessing for them. After every lesson, I'll push share and give it to my Facebook friends. I want you to do that. And next week, we're going to talk about, for a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about accepting peace. And we're talking about no pressure now. You can handle it. Three areas, controlling stress, accepting peace, choosing rest. So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the peace factor. Love you.